This is really about being free to create what you want your life to look like. We each are our own hero. And how do we take the challenges that come our way and see those as the birth process of us becoming heroic? Can you meet that judgment that ultimately will surface with neutrality? This is the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. Welcome back to the Wall Street Coach Podcast. I am Kim Ann Curtin, and Lucas Peterson is here with me, and we are interviewing today Jason Apollo Voss, uh, a man I have known for a very long time, over a decade, I believe. You corrected right. me the last time, right? Over yeah. a decade. And we met back in the day in New York City when we could go to fine restaurants and wear beautiful clothing and not have to have our mask ruin our ensemble. Um, I think I found Jason on my own when I was doing research for my book, Transforming Wall Street. I wanted to feature men and women who had succeeded in business with integrity. And Jason's story and his book, The Intuitive Investor, which I have right here, and matches my paint color on my wall. <laughs> it does actually. It does, doesn't it? It's funny. Yeah, I like that. You have to send me the color. I will. I will send you the paint. I think it also so matches can, my match. shirt right now. I think it does <laughs> it's too. perfect. This is totally coincidental. We, we have done a color coordination for our special listeners here today. Um, and and let me give you the subtitle to Jason's book, which is A Radical Guide for Manifesting Wealth. And I think that's a really important uh you know, titles are funny about books, but the subtitle sometimes will give you even more eye-opening insight into what you can find. Uh, I'm going to just read his formal bio that is actually on the back of this book, but his bio is way beyond what is featured here. But before retiring, 35, Jason was a co-portfolio manager at the Davis Appreciation and Income Fund and one of uh, one of the sorry, that is one of the nation's largest money management firms and among the largest shareholders for several familiar brands. During his tenure, he bested the NASDAQ, S&P 500, and the DJIA by staggering percentages. Uh, Lipper Analytical Services named the Davis Appreciation and Income Fund a Lipper leader, and it was ranked number one in the investment category, and the fund was also a regular Morningstar analyst pick. So as you can see, Jason has been around the block, and he will describe a little bit more about his experience, but we are very honored to have Jason be one of the coaches on the team at the Wall Street Coach. Uh, some of you who are listening to us know that I coach, but as you have begun to learn about me, I also have an amazing team. Jason is on that team, and I'm excited to just have this fully dedicated episode for Jason to just share his wisdom with you and to give you some input around how you can become more conscious, more self-aware, and ultimately become a better trader, if not investor. So welcome, Jason. Yeah, thanks very much. Oh my goodness, such a preamble. I kind of prefer the color of the walls and shirt discussion. <laughs> I know we're gonna we're gonna be a little bit homespun at times, and we're gonna be very intellectual at times. So, Jason, if we're talking primarily to day traders, what is it that you feel they probably need to know about themselves that you have noticed they perhaps aren't as connected to when you have worked with them, spoken with them? 
I think typically they don't have a very good appreciation for what's actually going on in their minds. They haven't been able to get or develop a high level of self-awareness. You can develop a level of self-awareness that's so precise, you can go moment to moment, thought to thought, and track exactly what you're thinking. And in some cases, you can almost like freeze that thought in bullet time, like matrix time, like you see the bullets coming at you. And you can even rewind it back to, hey, what is the original source of that emotion? Why is that important? Well, for traders, you need to have a really, really refined sense of either instinct or intuition. And one of the ways to do that is to begin to unwind stuff that just doesn't serve, right? And those are, we all carry around a lot of baggage from our experiences and from uh, and not always necessarily bad experiences. Even our good experiences can lead us to be biased towards a certain outcome, which can also distort our thinking. And anyway, I think the biggest thing that they are missing is that heightened sense of self-awareness that means that I'm present in this moment. I know exactly how I feel about this investment or this trade, and I know why I think it, and consequently, I can record it, and I can come back to it and figure out why, why I succeeded or I failed. And that's huge. I love what you said about how even good experiences can uh, make us really uh, disconnected to the neutrality of the space we want to be in. So talk more about what might be a good experience that could influence influence you negatively. Yeah, sure. So if if you make a lot of trades, for example, where you being really risky and you have the sense of standing on a tightrope, you know, that's between two cliffs and you've succeeded at that, it may mean that you're looking for investments like that specifically. And not necessarily every investment is going to fit those criteria, nor is every investment that feels that way to necessarily going to be successful. You really need to evaluate the trade or the investment for its own merits, and you can make money in all kinds of different ways. And if you develop a real bias for it, then that bias is going to be like grease on a lens. You're not going to see the world for what it is, and you're going to have distorted thinking. And I think that that's, I think in my coaching experience, that's one of the hardest things to convince people of is that their positive experiences are also potentially damaging their results. Um, yeah. So and we yeah. can dig into more of that and yeah. how you excavate that if you want. It's it's such a great uh, place to take us down a conversation that I still struggle with articulating my perspective on. And uh, our last uh, recording for this podcast that Lucas and I did, we were talking about uh, the receiving from the market. And one of the gentlemen I did some speed coaching with on Instagram, I do Instagram lives on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, and actually, I'm thinking, depending on your schedule, maybe we'll, we'll take you into my Instagram live today to talk about this episode. But this gentleman was speaking about, well, he, he acknowledged uh, a book that he had read on trading and how much it helped him. And I congratulated him. I said, good job you, that you read that book, that you listened to its contents and you applied it. And he said, no, that thanks goes to the author who wrote the book. And in that moment, I thought, "That's he's not receiving his uh, part of that process. And so I said to him, this is, yes, yes, thanks to this author who wrote the book, but thanks you have to acknowledge yourself because you took what that book spoke to and you did the work. And that is something you have a right to receive as a compliment. And I cautioned him that if it's hard 
for you to receive compliments, then doesn't that potentially mean you might have a hard time receiving from the market? I think that is, it's definitely you know, not a scientific presumption. It's just my seeing a pattern of, is it possible that that prevents you from receiving? Because I feel sometimes how you do one thing is how you do all things. Um, but on that note, and I'm sorry, this is a long-winded story, but the heart of what I gathered from that also tends to show up with this grind, really work hard mentality that's constantly foisted upon all of us today in culture, but day traders especially. I cringe at that because I feel, and, and then I get myself kind of into a corner because I'm not against hard work. I work really hard. I, I know that there's times you have to be very disciplined and do things that are not so exciting to make uh, things productive. Certainly day trading asks a lot of you, especially at the beginning. However, I just am afraid that sometimes people collapse hard work, that, that that's the only way you can profit or that you can succeed. So, do you understand what I'm trying to articulate? I do, I do. And I'm fond of saying, Kim, that an ounce of understanding is worth a pound of information. And I think many people who invest and trade think that by assessing more and more ever greater amounts of information, that somehow that's going to lead to better results. And I will take two ounces of understanding over two pounds of information any day. There's plenty of information. There's more than any one human being can begin to process, even assuming you have an entire office full of supercomputers, you still have to choose how much of the fire hose you want to drink from. And the understanding of why this matters in this context at this very moment and why it matters personally to me and why it affects me is everything. And I think that when people get in the habit of digesting more and more information, working harder and harder to digest more and more information, it's like riding a bicycle by staring at the front wheel. And inevitably, you're going to hit a pothole. Inevitably, you're going to lose track of the destination that was originally on the horizon. And you need to have perspective. You need to the long term and the short term are both important um, factors. And so you got to look up from the information every once in a while. And stop and say, do I even understand what I'm reading? How does it relate to my deeper understanding that I've developed over the time that I've been an investor or a trader? Um, do I sense that things are, are changing and in, and in a process of deceleration or acceleration of something, like in terms of trends? And if you don't take the time to understand it, it's just noise. There's no yeah. signal. Yeah. And, and so for those who are uh, especially probably – we, I think we have a, a mixed collection of listeners, those that are sophisticated traders who have been in the game for a while, and then we also have traders who are new. H how did you yourself, or do you even today, manage uh, the, the work and the balance of rest? I just make time for it. You know, that, that's, There are 168 hours in a week, and none of us can alter that. And that's just the nature of the beast. And yeah. so you either have to find ways of being more efficient, more knowledgeable, or you have to have insight that nobody else has that is worth everybody else's you know, grind. And the only way I know to do that is to make time for it. And so, for example, when I was a portfolio manager, uh, I would listen to earnings call trend during the course of earnings season, I would listen to earnings calls and I would doodle. Uh, and the reason I would doodle is because 
the content of what people are saying largely used to be available in a transcript. Now it's almost instantaneously available in a transcript. So that's not really what's important. What's important is your level of sensitivity to tone of voice. How well did they respond to this question? How does listening to this human being make you feel? And I'm here to tell you that all of those things, if you're skilled at it, are legitimate and difference-making realizations. It does require work in order to get to that level of um, perfection. Otherwise, actually, half a step back, people say that they trust their gut, and oftentimes that they have a big time or a hard time differentiating between gut and guess. And mm-hmm. gut and guess are not the same thing. And the difference is, is that a guess is just like sticking your finger in the wind and, you know, guessing, whereas gut is a refined sense developed by a professional who spent a lot of time trying to develop the ability to be able to tune into those kinds of things. So for somebody who perhaps wants to turn the volume up on their gut and being able to really hear the difference or feel the difference, experience the difference, what would be the first thing you suggest they do? Yeah, and then to add to the confusion, um, I think on the last podcast, we dealt with the difference between instinct and intuition, which yes. is also a source of confusion. I'll come back to that in a second. But gut, I relate to instinct. And instinct is that moment of you just react, you know, and the reaction is kind of perfect. It's the sort of reaction that a professional athlete has. An athlete doesn't go through some calculus as they're adjusting to a fly ball to catch a fly ball. Uh, a great hitter doesn't adjust, you know, and go through a calculus or a logical process to look at the spin on the balls. It exits the pitcher's hand before they're going to swing at the pitch, et cetera, et cetera. Choose your sport. Um, instead, they've developed a very refined sense of uh, technique, which is also important, as well as getting out of their own way. And you hear athletes at the end of a game, they'll say, hey, you know, Kim, you know, your performance this week was so much better than last week. To what do you attribute? And inevitably, they say something like, I'm, I'm not in my head any longer, right? Said another way, instinct has been restored. And so the type of way, process that you go through with that is, again, self-awareness, self-reflection. You need to have a method of being able to see yourself think or experience the feelings that go on, the emotions that go on in your body, begin to trace their sources and then begin to deal with those causes. Sometimes, for example, you're talking about the gentleman who can't receive a compliment. That may be because he's patterned his behavior after a parent who he admired or somebody influenced him and it may not be serving him. He needs to know. And if it's not serving him, then he needs to repattern himself in terms of his behavior so that he can receive, as you said, the signal from the market or the gift from the market. Um, so that's just one example. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a question there, Lucas? Uh, I mean, I did, a lot of things came to mind um, with, with what you were just speaking about, you know, um, as, as we're recording, it's during the Olympics right now and uh, 20, 2021, we're calling it Olympics 2020, I believe, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was uh, thinking about um, Simone Biles has just a, uh, uh, withdrew and a lot of what I, I mean, I, there's still a lot of muddy information that I'm sure will get clarity more and more on. Um, but from what I understand, it's around uh, looking out for her own mental health. And uh, with that, from what I've heard is a lot of also her just looking out for her physical health because she's doing these very dangerous things. And kind of like you said, she's uh, maybe in her own way right now, like not able to spot the floor. And um, 
I just wonder, you know, what um, it, it, what your take is for people who are professional traders or investors. Like, um, if if you find yourself in that that awareness, do you think uh, you take the day off? What do you? What are some processes that you see people utilizing to maybe help themselves? Lucas, I think it's a great question, and Kim, your questions have been great too. But uh, and I especially like this one because Simone Biles came up today, and I was talking to uh, a fellow former investor. And uh, we had a difference of opinion. I admire her choice, um, mm. quite honestly. I, I think that, and, and for so many reasons, one, it's courageous. So even if you disagree with her choice, the courage to be able to do that when yeah. all the world expects the yeah. greatest of all time, the GOAT, right, to, to perform, she's basically said, this ain't working for me. Oh my God, was that a hard choice? So she deserves to be commended for making a hard choice. So check, she gets my gold check mark. Um, but in terms of knowing herself, again, golden check, right? She clearly knows herself and she knows that she's not at her best. But then the part that I hope that people will acknowledge that are traders and investors is, two, there are two parts to this, but it's the same conclusion. When you are in a joyful state, when you are in a illuminated state, things come so naturally to you and that you, you, you can make a ton of money as a trader or an investor when you're in that state of mind. If you have to work at it and it seems really hard, or if you find yourself, as you alluded to, Lucas, you know, you're, you're getting in your own way. Definitely. My advice is take the day off, take the week off. The market will wait. There's always another trade that you can make down the road. The law, the possibility of capital loss is so great, and you worked hard for that money. You don't want to undo a bunch of great trades by forcing the issue. So the other part of this is, you know, one of the reasons I retired is because investing became easy to me. And I realized that I'd primarily been in interested in the profession because I saw it as unbelievably difficult and challenging. And once I proved to myself that I could do it well, going into work wasn't the same joy it had been. And I instead, I had this whole list of stuff developing in my mind of, wow, I'm really curious about that and that and that and that. And I decided to walk away from it. Could I have made a way, way more money? Sure, absolutely. But it wasn't joyful for me. And ultimately, if something hurts your uh, mental health, I guarantee you it's going to show up in your bank account. It just does. For sure. And or uh, I think it's going to show up in your body, like physically, yeah. if you're continuing to push yourself to a point, which is also why I felt she backed out. She saw the physical, her body wasn't kind of responding in the way she normally, you know, she didn't even do the the spin the way she usually did it. And that is where her kind of caution seeing, oh, something is off here. I don't have, I don't have, I'm not in the zone. And, and maybe that's due to the pressure of being in front of the world. Or maybe it's just this particular time because her team was counting on her. Could be, an, could be stuff personally going on in her life that nobody knows about. Yeah, who knows? And I support her, right? Not that she knows who the hell I am, but she's got my, <laughs> my vote. And yeah. one of the things we haven't hit on, but we're, we to bring different and disparate parts of this conversation together, there is signal happening inside of her that she is paying attention to. And that's how we started this conversation is, yeah. I said that people who invest in trade don't always know what's going on in their head. She may not know either, 
but she at least realizes I got to find out. And that is huge. She may in fact know exactly what's going on. And again, her courage to acknowledge that when it would be so easy to do something stupid uh, potentially, I mean, like balance beam does not look like a safe sport if you're not in the right headspace. <laughs> no, like, come on. So in general, anyway, for me, gymnastics yeah. doesn't look safe at all for, for, for my, from my perspective. <laughs> yeah, uneven bars, or if you're a guy, like the high bar, no way. I mean, like you're like 20 feet in the air. You don't want to exactly. like mess that up. Exactly. Pole vaulting. Anyway, we digress. Um, <laughs> congratulations, Simone Biles. And I'm guessing, mm. I, I have an assumption. I don't know that it's true, but that the the people we label genius and the athletes we label genius are the best ever always, always have a profound connection to their true self. And they're like, so and that's why different athletes have a style that's recognizable. Like Michael yes. Jordan is not the same player that, oh gosh, like Steph Curry is just different mm-hmm. people expressing themselves through the body they're taking their soul, if you will, sorry to get spiritual, and expressing it through this physicality, and they're out of their own way doing that. I bet Simone Biles knows exactly what's bugging her because I would argue you can't be that kind of an athlete without mm. that, that kind of connection to self. And yeah. so I bet she does know, and the story will probably come out. Yeah, I, I think you probably are right. And for whatever reason, it could be just none of our business for her to share it. It and, isn't uh, any of our business. Yeah. Right. So it's like, this is my choice. It's my body. I have choice. And I'm just proud of her for doing that. I think it took a lot of guts as well as what was the other gal's name, the tennis player, uh, her, her choice also around honoring her mental health. Yeah, I've forgotten her name, and I just heard it this morning because she also came up in my conversation about Simone Biles. Yeah, Ricky, yeah. I think Ricky Williams did the same thing, right? It's not. Mm-hmm. I'm just. I'm throwing out Ricky Williams's name yeah. because somebody in the audience may be thinking, "Oh, ladies are more in tune with their intuition." I think mm. that's generally true, but mm. not always. Ricky Williams is also like a meditator, for example, and he he basically withdrew from playing football. He said it just wasn't joyful for him anymore. Yeah, wow. the same thing wow. with Calvin Johnson. I know he did the same thing. I'm, I'm, I'm sure we could just name a ton, right? If we start yeah. thinking about it, but it is, it's. I did find right. it interesting when you brought up that point of um, athletes, like, and 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 I think you're right. Like, there's there is something about like them expressing their soul through a lot of their performance because you do like you can recognize an athlete, like even a football player, the way they. Uh, like move and run when they have pads and they're next to a bunch of other people who are dressed exactly the same, but you can still like identify who that individual yeah. is when they're at the top of their game. So yeah, and they, call, they call it getting in the zone, right? It's even yeah. a whole yeah. special category for them. And now researchers, you know, have affirmed there is something special going on in those moments, mm-hmm. by the way, to come back, even though you didn't ask the, the question about intuition, that's really the difference between intuition and instinct. Um, mm-hmm. Intuition, uh, is something where you reintroduce time into the equation. What do I mean by that? The instinct is almost instantaneous. Intuition, though, is something that exists more in uh, an extended period of time. So, for example, Mm -hmm. Einstein credited intuition with all of his great insights, and he would puzzle over problems for years in some cases before, in a flash, some solution would come to him. I think what it was happening there is he was exploring a topic and beginning to develop a map. That map is a language to be able to ground the insight that comes through the intuitive insight, a truly revolutionary intuitive insight 
may be really bizarre and you may not be able to relate it to anything. And that's why it takes a long time. And that's why there's a confusion around, oh, you have to be an expert in order to have intuition. I don't think that's true. I just think if you want to turn it into something useful for yourself, you have to have a language and a nomenclature. If you're a trader, for example, if you don't know what the stock market is and you have an insight about a company, what do I do with that? Right. But anyway, intuition is programmable because you can do it in time. So you can turn your attention to what is the mood of the market. Instinct, you just respond, right? You just react to what's going on in the market. I buy, I sell. I don't invest. I don't whatever. Intuition, you can ask questions like, is the dot-com bubble bursting? Is the, the market's overall angst about that over? You can't ask that of instinct. You can't ask mm. that of intuition. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I do want to circle back to was when you spoke to doing that check-in. And if you're not in the zone, uh, you know, how do you walk away? Uh, you said, you know, maybe you walk away for a day, maybe you walk away from a week. But I know that there are certain traders who have certain patterns and that they could at times experience, I can't walk away because what if that one pattern that I've been waiting for for six months now shows up the week I walk away? What would be, how, how would you speak to that? Dealer's choice, you know, I, who knows? Who knows what's really going on in their head? I would say if, if they're, quote unquote, in the zone or if they're in their best place and they've done a lot of work and they, they're expecting it to come, hang out. I, who knows? Maybe they have an instinct about when the timing of something is going to be. But I'm also a big believer, and this features in my coaching with people. Inevitably, if you become my coachee, one of the things I will tell you is start logging your performance, both good and bad, to learn from it. So if that's an assumption, it's going to start coming. Write that sucker down as a, as a prognostication. And if it doesn't, use it to get better. If it does, use that to get better. Like what went well with that trade? Get yeah. better. Who knows? Um, maybe yeah. the right, maybe the wrong. I am a big believer, though, of stress-free investing. If you're stressed out about something, I guarantee you, you're going to be making an intellectual choice, and it's going to be driven not by the good emotions. It's going to be intellectual. Uh, it's going to be intellectual, clouded by fear, uh, or sorry, not fear, by anxiety or by ignorance. Those mm -hmm. are that's a deadly combo. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing, too, I was thinking of as I was po posing that question was, you know, I think part of what maybe horrifies perhaps that person you were speaking to who saw it different around Simone is, you know, she is obviously not going to get those financial contracts and the cover perhaps of the Wheaties box, right, by her walking away. But that and that is maybe just the, the best argument for the traders who are I'm like, you know, you need to take time off. Uh, and I understand that when you take time off, you may not see that pattern that shows up once in a blue moon. Uh, the point is, uh, if your cost is your mental health to get that, just like it would have been her cost to her, her mental health to just stay in the game for the, you know, if she lived through it, didn't have anything physically happen to her negatively, then she she is walking potentially away from money, but but keeping herself intact. So I think that you know that that's I think she just. Ex exemplified that evidence of you can't always just do what's in your financial well-being. It has to be a holistic approach. Yeah, what I think the, the person I was discussing, they have in their mind a mental 
concept, again, going back to bias, their bias, their prejudice, their prejudgment of what a pro looks like is somebody who performs even when they don't want to. And maybe true, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And the reason it doesn't matter is Simone Biles is the athlete who has to go out there and perform. And yeah. we can all con you know, can make conjecture about all these different things, but I, I respect her choice. I mean, yeah. uh, another person will throw out there, Dave Chappelle is somebody who walked away from it all and people thought he was lunatic. People yeah. literally thought he had a drug problem because nobody yeah. could understand why he would walk away from the largest contract in I think television comedy history at the time he walked yeah. away in I think 2005 or 2006. It's like, yeah. hats off to you, man. Yeah, well done. For sure. For well sure. done. And look at all this stuff he endured. It's just not a popular choice. But mm. again, uh, you know, you know, people will look at me and they learn that I'm 51 years old and they're like, oh my God, you don't look 51. It's like, you know why? Because I don't engage in stressful activities. <laughs> I engage, I try and make money doing activities I really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. It's a game changer. It's a game changer. All right, we're going to also circle back to something else you said. You, you apologize for diving into the spiritual rabbit hole. No apologies needed here, Jason. This is one of our many conversations. We've had lots of delicious dinners in New York, and inevitably, they took the turn around the spiritual. So explain for those who are perhaps new to spirituality or uh, I even want to say confused about its application in something that would be considered such a cerebral world, day trading, uh, what and how you bridged it for yourself and how it even made you a better investor and trader. Hmm. That's a good question. I'm trying to think. Of, it's not that I don't have a good answer. It's just like, that's a huge answer. I'm trying to think of how not to torture the audience. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think, I think the, best way I could say it is it, it goes back to the being your best self. Uh, mm -hmm. Even if you don't believe in a soul or whatever concept, um, may I please convince the audience that there are multiple ways of expressing yourself mm -hmm. uh, and multiple ways of being. Um, there is intellectual, there's scared and cowardly, and some people will associate this with emotions. Uh, I would disagree. I think the emotions come only when we have a strong preference for an outcome and that outcome either happened and so we're thrilled and we've convinced ourselves that we should be thrilled or they some outcome didn't happen and we're disappointed. But there's another way of expressing ourselves where we're in alignment with something outside of ourselves with a higher calling, if you will. And I, I would like to think that when I was investing and investing well, if you would ask me questions like, hey, Jason, why, it's Tuesday night, you're a big boy, why are you going, to, going home at 9.30 p.m.? And I would say, without being uh, abashed about it, I have shareholders. And I my purpose was, I, I grew up poor, Right. And I knew how hard my mom and my grandparents on both paternal and maternal side of the family worked for that money. And it's like people trusted me and made me custodian of their dreams. And I took it very seriously. My point being that when it became not about me feeling comfortable about how much money I had and me being custodian of people's dreams, when it was aligned to purpose of some sort, 
which we'll call a uh, sort of a form of jargon standing in for spirituality, right? Purpose. Mm -hmm. Uh, All of a sudden, magic started happening, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of working 105 hours a week, I was working 35 hours a week, and my performance got better and better and better and better and better. And I had more and more clarity about my decision-making. And said another way, this may not seem related, but it's another way of expressing the exact same outcome. Get the hell out of the way of yourself. And self, capital S, not little s, uh, your big, bold self, the the self that you may be terrified of, which we discussed last time about people can be afraid of themselves and their biggest glowiest self. Uh, so anyway, I, I think spirituality, it's I, the last comment, I guess I'll make on spirituality is it's happening whether you want it to or not mm-hmm. there. They, if you deny that deep self, there is a knock on the door and the way that tip that knock looks on the door, uh, typically looks like, uh, your best friend, uh, doesn't want to talk to you anymore, or you're the person you have an intimate relationship with doesn't want to, uh, be your partner anymore, or your trades suck or like, or maybe again, speculation in Simone Biles case, maybe she's like, I just not liking this. And, and I'm, I'm scared up here for the first time in my life or whatever yeah. she's going through. That's how it starts. That's how the knock on the door happens. And usually it knocks pretty loud. And I, I think, Kim, you're a believer. You and I have talked about before. If you don't solve that problem, ignoring it doesn't mean it goes away. And life will find a way to intervene and make you pay attention to the knock. So yeah. that's that's the, sort of the downside to not paying attention to spirituality. The upside to paying attention to spirituality is that things are fairly effortless. Yeah, yeah. And that effortlessness, uh, I I will speak for myself, it can at times, or at least at the beginning, scare the hell out of you, because there is this cultural indoctrination that effort is required. And so when you first start to experience that flow state or that sense of serendipity uh, occurring, it, I can remember my own experience with it. And still to this day, sometimes like, is, could this be real? Is this right? Am I crazy? Am I uh, just wanting to be lazy? You know, like there's a, a collection or waterfall of doubts for myself sometimes when serendipity has unleashed that or the flow state has unleashed that. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? What, what happens then when you're like, is this really happening? This could Yeah, be. I think it's only too tempting because... Uh, again, these are the biases that creep into our minds, right? We have our own biases, that, which are the stories we tell ourselves about how the world is supposed to be. But then society, parents, friends, they also have their opinion about how society or your, how the world is supposed to be. And it's hard, especially if we haven't experienced something, not to reference those things. That's yeah. one of the reasons why we, you know, it used to be that we would turn to experts to, and we still turn to experts, like presumably people are supposed to listen to me because I'm an expert. The reason we yeah. listen to experts is they've been a place we haven't been, but we would like to go. Yeah. Um, so it's tempting. That's again, why a self-awareness practice, a spirituality practice is so key. So you can tune into what's really going on. Mm. Um, like, I'll give you an example. Let's take it out of investing. Yeah. Life story, true story. I was, I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico during my professional career. 
And there was a hike uh, uh, in Santa Fe that I loved to do. Um, started the College of Santa Fe and made its way up to the top of a mountain. And there, there's no cut path for a lot of it. And especially in springtime where there's spring runoff from the snow, a lot of the path can be gone. Mm. And I, it takes, takes about two hours at a really good stated 7,000 feet of altitude to get to the top. It's intense. You have to be fit to be able to do it. And on the way down, uh, like on the way up, I gotten into a fairly meditative state. And as I think everyone on this call knows, uh, I'm a lifelong meditator. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start to jog down. I just feel like jogging. And note the self-awareness. I feel like jogging. Yeah. That jog turned into a sprint down a mountainside where some of the drop-offs are 300 feet. And mm. the margin of error is an inch. And I started running in a state of no mind, in the zone, in the flow. I could hear deers. I don't know where they were. Off in the distance, I could smell other animals. I could hear people a long way away. I got completely in the zone. And at one point, point in me, the male ego here, here's ego intervening. At one point, I had passed like a, a beautiful couple, especially the woman I thought was beautiful. I was single at the time. I was like, wow, she's beautiful. And I passed them on the way down. And I, at one point, jumped. And I loved to jump. I was a high jumper and long jumper when I was ran track and field. And I, I must have gone 30 feet in the air because the drop was like this. And it was like, you know, coming off the ski jump. And she, I remember she went, wow. And I was like, yes. But here's the thing. So like I, I, I ran down, it took about 25 minutes to get to the bottom. I had had no real thought. Even when she said, wow, I just heard it, but I didn't process yeah. it. I didn't go yeah. into intellect mode, which is what does the word wow mean? What does it mean to me? I just I, smiled. I was vibing off her energy. I got to the parking lot and after this amazing athletic performance on my part. And I thought to myself, wow, that was amazing. And at that very moment, I slipped on a bit of sand on a flat parking lot, fell over and skinned my knee horribly. And I started laughing so hard. That's why you have to get out of your head. As soon as you got yes. back in your head, you got injured. That is a great example. <laughs> A great, great example. <clears throat> so that's God why spirituality is important because yeah. trading can be like me running down the mountain. That's right. And I think you'll find if you use trading to develop your spirituality, and this we don't have to talk about this. This is one yeah. of the major theses of my book, The Intuitive Investor. Investing is a badass way of refining your spirituality. Why? Because the market is objective and it doesn't care what you think. You don't have a dialogue with it. Or, it, or sorry, it doesn't have a dialogue with you. Yeah. And it's a teacher. There's on a daily basis, depending on what your time horizon is, minute by minute basis of how tuned in are you really? That's right. That's right. How neutral are you really? Because if you're not neutral and you have a predetermined outcome that you want, you can't be looking at it neutrally. You're going to have that lens of what you want, and then you're going to project so, so I think that, by the way, if you get good at investing or if you are good at one other activity, the goal ought to be how do I bring that flow state into this other activity? So like I, I can get into a flow state in lots of different venues, right? And you'll start to find that the mental state of being in the zone or a meditative state or in a state of spirituality or call it whatever you want, 
Um, meditators have technical terms for all this stuff. It's not very interesting, but all of a sudden your painting is better and your yeah. drawing is better and your conversations are better. You hear people better. Uh, your trading is better. All things are better because you've developed this thing and now it is the perfect cosmic radio tuner that it should have been all along. Yeah, for sure. Where would somebody who is just starting that journey to begin, besides reading your book, The Intuitive Investor, where would you point them to begin that journey? Yeah, so it's a good question. And you you had said, both of you, um, how about a, an exercise for people? Um, so the exercise I'm, I'm going to share is more like a written exercise or a thought exercise. Science thankfully has weighed in and demonstrated that we are entering these rejuvenatory states of consciousness, these in sort of mm -hmm. more enlightened states of consciousness every single day. They're not, they're not out of reach. All mm -hmm. of us have the capability and science basically says all of us enter the state every day. So the question is when and what the hell am I doing to enter that state of consciousness right. or awareness? So the shortcut the, is the answer to the question, what do you do that rejuvenates yourself? And I'm not talking about sleep. Um, I'm not talking about those kinds of activities. I'm talking about the activities where you're involved in an activity, say, in my case, sweeping a floor. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, while I'm sweeping the floor, I go, ah, you know what? I haven't talked to so-and-so in a long time. I should reach out to them. And then when you reach out to them, they go, I'm so, I was just thinking about you yesterday. That's right. That's and, right. Uh, you know, I, I've got this new business venture I was thinking about, you know, doing, and I need your advice on something, right? Sweeping the floor, science has demonstrated, cleaning the dishes, uh, gardening, exercising, et cetera, et cetera. These activities that we rely upon and lean on to rejuvenate us also are the very activities that put us in these rejuvenatory enlightened spiritual states of consciousness the shortcut is if the activity has an element of focus to it as well as awareness then you're likely to trigger those rejuvenatory states of consciousness and ideally make a list like i can make a list of like 20 things i do to rejuvenate myself yeah. and by the way going back to the sweeping the floor i gotta focus either the floor is clean or it's not Right. So right. I got to focus on getting the dirt swept up yep. and then the awareness, you know, yep. is the floor clean? Is it not? Oh, yep. is there a hair, cat hairball over there or, you That's know, right. puffball, et cetera, et cetera. That's those right. activities that combine those things tend to be the very, they're weak forms of meditation. Mm -hmm. um, and so the gateway way to enter into the state is do the things that rejuvenate you. I said earlier, make time for this stuff, make yeah. time every day, 30 to 45 minutes to do something that rejuvenates you. Yeah, it's really great advice. And, and I think you also are presenting it in a way that it's so uh, simple. It's not, it doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be complicated or yeah. hours a day. No, it's not. And there, then there's, you know, for, for a coachee only, then there's the, what do you do with that? That's right. That's right. But I'm being coy, you know. Yes, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> What, what were you going to say, Lucas? You went to say something. Uh, I was just thinking, um, you know, the things you mentioned for uh, like that are that do require like focus, um, mm -hmm. but are relatively simple. It's, it's funny, all the things you mentioned were kind of like very rudimentary things that we need for that mm -hmm. for existence in general and like really ancient things that we've probably carried for you know, millennia where it's like gardening or cleaning or like cleaning up after ourselves, our dishes, or even cooking. I know I get a lot of 
you know, I feel like a lot of times when I'm like just barbecuing or something, I get into like a flow state, which is sounds strange because yeah. there's very little that's happening, but I, I feel that same way. Yeah. My mom, my, uh, my mom, my, my wife would kill me. <laughs> <laughs> my wife also loves to cook Lucas and she says the same thing. She, she, it, for me, not a rejuvenating activity for her, a totally re rejuvenating activity. Yeah. Uh -huh. Not rejuvenating for me either. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. You have to know how to do these things is the key is what I'm hearing. So, so pick something that you know how to do and that you like to do. That was yeah. one of the things you said was so important. Yeah, I've, I've done this exercise with, I think, thousands of people, you know, since Intuitive Investor was published in front of different audiences and with coaches and whatever. Yeah. I've only ever one, met one person so cynical as to claim to do nothing that rejuvenated them. Everybody can think of a couple activities. Yeah, but this, sure. this guy so hate, you know, hated the concept that he just, you know, he's not going to rejuvenate. And by the way, it was a professional yeah. investor in a professional investment group. And all of his uh, peers at this company I was presenting to, oh my God, did they give him a hard time? They were like, <laughs> oh, come on, you know, don't be exactly. a jackass. Of course you do something that rejuvenates you. Otherwise, exactly. you know, we got to get you to the doctor. You know? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, I really agreed with something you said earlier, though, that the market is can be such an incredible spiritual teacher uh to me it is it's it's enlightenment school 101 it's going to force you to be with all the sides of yourself that you didn't even know were operating and it holds a mirror up to you in my experience uh that forces you to really have to be honest with yourself uh what when do you think that became clear for you. It clearly became, you saw that early, but do you remember that moment? Was it that story you shared with us the last time or were there other moments where you were like, wow, this is my, could be my spiritual teacher? Hmm. Good question. I don't think nobody's ever asked me that. And I have not thought about when did it begin? The story I shared last time was that, you know, I was very much in love at one point and I was spending a lot of time with my girlfriend at the time. And that I got better and better as an investor, the less time I spent doing the activity and the happier I got. And that definitely caught my attention because the natural inclination is, Hey, am I just getting lucky? Uh, mm -hmm. And what I recognize is I just had a, had developed somehow a profound ability to know what was important, right? That's that mm -hmm. ounce of mm -hmm. understanding versus yeah. the pound of information. So I developed a very refined sense of that's not interesting, not interesting, not in. Oh, what's that? Oh yeah, that I got to pay attention to, and that's that ability. When that started happening, I started to investigate, and I think. What I started noticing is, and I had sort of tabled my meditation practice for years and years. Mm. Um, you know, I did it occasionally as sort of yeah. a, a, almost like a, a prescription for, hey, I'm really stressed in life. I, I got to calm myself down, whatever. I'm taking an exam. I was in graduate school. I got to, you know, be focused for this. So I was using it almost a, as a substitute for whatever, you know, mm. I, you know, my version of self-prescribing a medicine. Yeah. So I started meditating again. My girlfriend at the time meditated. And what I noticed was I made a connection between the state of awareness while meditating and the state of awareness I had when trading or investing my best mm -hmm. and understanding the world the best. And I, it finally dawned on me, 
oh my God, if it's true for these two things, it's probably true for all the other things. Let me check that out. Let me like spend some time thinking about that. Oh my God, when I'm at my best, no matter what I'm doing, I always have the same state of consciousness there. Oh my God, markets must be teaching me something. Yeah. You know, and at yeah. that point, it wasn't so much that I made the market my spiritual teacher, so much as it was just a byproduct of my job being an investor, but then embracing it once I realized it. It's like, hey, this is a way for me to start to really appreciate what's really going on. Yeah. Let's take let's insert something into the brackets. These are brackets right here. I always say job one of every investor is to understand the world for what it is, not mm -hmm. what we would prefer it to be. Mm -hmm. That is step one in spirituality, step one in being a great athlete. It's step one in being a whatever, great artist. Um, you got to yeah. get out of the way. you got to recognize. And that's why the self-awareness bit is so important. And so once I made that realization, I realized that every personality quirk I had ended up in my portfolio, good or bad, right? Wow. Like, it, how, like, How so? How so? Well, I told the story, I think, last time about international rectifier. I, if I can, I, yeah, if not, I'll repeat it. Yeah, so. You did, but you can, you can do a quick repeat of it for those. <laughs> yeah, who so, so I, I, you know, I was so excited to get, make the transition between research analyst and portfolio manager, and I wanted to have a big effect on the portfolio. And my own valuation of international rectifier said it was worth around 45 bucks a share. That's what it was trading at. But I really, you know, liked the company. I was excited by the company. Uh, I wanted to have this big effect on the portfolio. So the, literally the day after I got promoted, we bought International Rectifier. Why? Because I justified it to myself because I tweaked my valuation model so that I could get up to $60 per share such that there was 33% possible appreciation. International Rectifier proceeded to trade to around $28 to $29 per share, like within three weeks. And upon excavation, the only factor that drove that decision was had nothing to do with the market, had nothing to do with international rectifier, had everything to do with my ego wanting to make a big effect on the portfolio. And boy, did I. <laughs> Not in the way you had hoped. <laughs> so my personality quirk found an expression in the portfolio. Oops. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So where, where would you point, if, if you were coaching you back then, what would your coaching have? done slow down mm -hmm. slow down take note slow is fast slow mm -hmm. is fast uh it, it's it's a when i first started I, I told the story last time i was working 105 hours a week i repeated that yeah. again today when i retired i was working like 35 hours and i was so much better at what i did and it wasn't just a knowledge thing it was an awareness thing and the yeah. awareness came from giving myself time that is slowing down to appreciate what was going on. Um, yeah. And let me be clear. Let me insert in something here. Uh, I became in that transition from little I investor where it was a uh, job to capital I investor where it was a means of expression. Just as, mm -hmm. you know, uh, again, like Steph Curry is a basketball player, capital B. Yeah. Uh, I was working all hours of the day, really, because everything that I assessed in the day was through an investor's lens, which is a hyper refined sense, uh, just as, you know, LeBron James can't help but be LeBron James in every moment. He's probably thinking yeah. about basketball and shot and refinement constantly. Yes. But the actual time in the office thinking about stuff, 35 hours, 
And it took a while to unwind that. I'm an investor capital I, develop new habits, new ways of being. But I was, and by was, I mean, I I was permeable to the the activity of investing. It was in me and I was in it. There was no separation. And that can only happen again if there's no ego. And there mm-hmm. are is minimal or minimal ego or minimal bias. Uh, you said neutral. I wouldn't quite say that, but mm-hmm. it's just where boundaryless. Mm-hmm. I like your word receptivity better. Boundaryless, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm my full self, and I know I'm an investor, and I'm going to kick you in the balls if you're going to come after me as my competitor. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and For I sure. have, yeah. Yeah. I knew what I was doing. That's really good. Boundaryless. I really like that much better. That makes so much sense because you're, because all things can show up on that plane and you can be with them, yeah. notice them. It's the, it's the neutrality when I say that word and it's because I can see that the trigger of joy and the trigger of frustration uh, take you away from being present. So what... What else is a word that could be used there, Jason? Well, we can't, there is no word for it. I mean, that that makes sense. The word will require definition. And that's the nature, by the way, if you're in the audience and you you hear Buddhists use these weird words, it is the thing and it's not the thing. It's not because they're trying to be evasive and, you know, tricky. It's because certain things are ineffable. Um, Just like riding a bicycle, I can try and describe to you what that feeling is like, Mm -hmm. but at a certain point you just know when you're riding the bike, you're up and you're balanced. Finally, no amount of coaching can help anybody. You just got to get up on the bike and ride it. And inevitably that state is ineffable. So balanced. I mean, that's the best I got. It's it's sort of the, uh, the state of being uh, both attached and non-attached vested and unvested. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, which is why neutral, you know, kind of makes sense. But yeah, I, it yeah. was me running down the mountain. And I was just yeah. like, yes, the boundary, yeah. I, I, nature and me were one, you know, for that 25 yes. minute period. Yes, for sure. For sure. All right. So closing <sighs> last <laughs> words, hard, hard to, but, but what would you say is the most important thing you would want? those who are at the traders that are listening to us to walk away with walk away with forever or just from today's conversation just from today's conversation <laughs> damn <laughs> we, can go we, to almost, forever, we yes. almost got the secret to life right there Kim, and you shut him down <laughs> we can go back to it i can ask two questions in my podcast <laughs> I, I i think the thing the thing to take away from today and from our conversation is Self, self-awareness, like mm. all of the beauty of investing, all of the, the glory of investing, all the goldenness of investing happens through self-awareness. Mm. Uh, yeah. And to, to start with self-awareness, start that practice yeah. as soon as possible. And there are lots of ways that you can do that. That features in my coaching work with, with others. And God, the, the, the secret to the, the universe ineffable right i can i what i've tried to communicate that to people before i've just said hey if you can get into a state of no mind just tune into my frequency right you know and like here here we go right here here's here's the secret to everything okay 
Yeah, there we go. So, yeah. <laughs> How useful was that to anybody? <laughs> it could have been very useful to the person who's ready to hear what that yeah. message spoke. True. So I think it was a great message. It was a great message. Thank you so much. Is there anything, Lucas, that you wanted to ask that I commandeered no. that whole conversation probably I'm, i mean i i could talk to jason for like eight hours probably so yeah. not not today but i'm sure we'll we'll bring you back again we'll just keep pulling you back every few months jason yeah yeah i'm happy to talk about that we could talk about all kinds of cool stuff uh yeah, yeah and by the way just because my book intuitive investors the the subject yeah. matter uh, yeah. I could even teach you cool things like how to uh, have a conversation discern between truth and lies. I can talk to you about financial statement analysis, like et cetera. Et cetera. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Which, you know, probably both of those things could be important in one, in just one particular decision you make, or it's good to know truth and lies uh, and the difference between them. And that maybe will bring you back on for the next podcast to talk about. Yeah, so then I'd we love have to. a little bit of a cliffhanger. Well, thank you for coming today. Thank you for your amazing book uh, and for your amazing life and for the inspiration that you've given to me for more than 10 years now. So I'm really happy to know you. And I'm so honored that you're you know, on the team of coaches we have to offer here at The Wall Street Coach. If you're interested in learning more about what it would look like to work with Jason, please email Lucas here, Lucas at The Wall Street Coach, and he'll give you some understanding about how you could engage with Jason. And if you're interested just in coaching at all, feel free to reach out and just ask uh, the questions about how we do that with people. Uh, we're glad you guys are listening. We hope that you'll give us some comments. Tell us what you liked about this conversation, what questions you wish we should have asked, uh, where I perhaps should have been quiet. <laughs> you just give us your input so we have some uh, awareness of what you guys want more of. Thank you so much for today, Jason. And we'll see you hopefully very, very soon again here. Yeah, thanks, Kim. Thanks, Lucas. It's always a pleasure. This has been the Wall Street Coach Podcast with Kim Ann Curtin. You can find out more about her and her team online at thewallstreetcoach.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you for listening.